When you incarcerate one person, you incarcerate their whole family. You do damage to their community, to the culture, and the more people that are ensnared in this, you do damage to a whole generation. This podcast has been brought to you by a four-eyed production. And now, let's start the show. Bledsoe and Daryl M. Bell have been together for like 20-something years. Who is Daryl M. Bell? Who is that? So you know who Tempest Bledsoe is, right? Mm-hmm. Vanessa Huxtable. Daryl M. Bell is Ron Johnson from um, um, A Different World. Oh, Ron! They have been in a relationship for like 20-something years. That's dope, right? Very. I thought it was cute. Mm, I'm over here eating chips. So, let's jump right in. Mm-hmm. Okay? We black like we never left. I'm a girl named Tiffany. And I'm Courtney B. This is episode 63 of the Culture Shop Podcast. Whoop, whoop. Um, how you doing? How you, how you doing? I'm well, actually. How are you? I'm beautiful. Good. That was not me. It's me! Yes. <laughs> No, it's okay. Thank you so kindly. No, no, no. I would like, I don't know. Some people might not think there's a difference. But see, when it's you, it's your phone and stuff uh-uh. be going off. Uh-uh. When uh-uh. it's me, my computer did an update. And now I do not know how to turn off the notifications from the actual computer. This is the devil. Excuses. Our tools. Are, you know Our what? I'm not. Of, I'm not. Nope, nope. I'm Because I'm not incompetent. She your is, computer is. She, okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't mean it, honey. She didn't mean it. Um, that's what happens when you get new uh, technical technical equipment. So you start talking about everybody else. Ma'am, don't do that. Uh-uh. I did not talk junk about your stuff. I was very you excited for you. you. Thank you for being excited. For You're moving s- up into the world of MacBook Pro. Say we're moving on I'm a MacBook Air. <laughs> um, so how was your weekend, B? Um... My weekend was good. Girl, I slept so hard Sunday night. See, I was off on Monday. Mm-hmm. I slept so hard on Sunday. But anyway, let's just rewind it back. So Monday was a holiday. I forgot. Was it? It wasn't a holiday. It was just a holiday for me. I just took off work. Last Monday was not a holiday? We're talking about Th- This yesterday. past Monday. Oh, my yeah. God. Okay, I'm sorry. Bring it on back. I'm Bring tripping. it on back. Bring it on back. Um... But yeah, so 
Thursday, I went to the pre-screening for Ma, but mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. Okay. So I'll save that. Um, and then Friday, uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Common's new book, which yes. is called Let Love Have the Last Word. So this past Friday, he was actually at the Park Church on Beatty's Ford, and there, it was a free event, and it was called Conversations with Common at the Park Church. So the bishop of the Park Church actually got his Oprah on and sat down and asked, you know, comment all these intriguing questions. It was really good. It was a free event. And number one, I didn't realize that Common was so tall and lanky. Because I've seen him in concert before, but I don't know if I just didn't notice it. I don't know. But he is extremely lanky. Yes, he is. I didn't realize he was that tall. And fine, child. And kind. Yes, so and he nice. smells good. He was so nice. You know, took pictures with everybody. The girl who took my picture hated on me, so I couldn't post it. My eyes was closed. Oh no. Yes. Um, but I will. I wish I wanted to go off. And then I felt I kept, I felt kind of bad because I'm you know I touch people. Yeah. So he like was talking to me. He like put his hand on my shoulder and I was getting leave. Like I touched le- his leg and I was like, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And so when we were leaving. Um, I was with Antonio. She was like, you touched his leg. I was like, I sure did. Mm-hmm. And I'll touch it again if he let me. But anyway, it was a really good conversation. Um, Common is just so 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 smart and well spoken. And one of the one of the themes in the book that really really stuck out to me was the idea of like self advocacy mm-hmm. and being okay with asking for what you need regardless of how anybody feels. I struggle, you know. Me too. And so it was just it was it's a portion in the book where he talks about how and I feel like this is my struggle too. Especially for people who deal with like abandonment mm-hmm. and um, you know just just feeling like you carry the weight of your family, it really creates issues later in life. And Common talks about that in the book about how he feels like he wants his own space. He don't want to be responsible for nobody. He want to do what he want to do, and mm-hmm. so that has created issues with him in his romantic life and just in interpersonal relationships because. He wants to. He wants his own space. Right. And so he um, has. I think. I guess he's bi-coastal. So he has a place in Brooklyn and LA. And he talked about how his mom was in town from Chicago visiting, or from Florida. I can't remember exactly where she lives full time. But he was going out of town for work. So he was just like, um, you know, I'm coming back on this day, and then we're going to like a play or something. And he was like, I'll pick you up from your hotel. Mm-hmm. So she's like, You got a whole I'm house. Just, yeah, I'm just gonna stay here. And so they kind of got into this back and forth where he was like, I'm picking you up from the hotel. And so once they finally met up or whatever, you know, she went on to the hotel, he picked her up and he said they had a conversation. And in the conversation, he said, you know, I apologized for how I said or how I came off, but I do not apologize for wanting my own space. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's where a lot of us struggle, especially with our parents. Because they take everything to heart. So he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I apologize if I hurt your feelings, but I'm still picking you up from the hotel. Right. <laughs> so I thought that that was, you know, interesting. And Golly, just, that just, was good. Yeah, just to see how everybody relates to that. He talked about, you know, um, molestation mm-hmm. and wanting to break that curse by actually talking about it and mm-hmm. making it okay to talk about it. And um, he talked about his relationship with his daughter, about how he had always vowed to not abandon his daughter. Mm-hmm. And essentially, because of work, he did just that. Right. Like he she provided, still felt abandoned. She still felt abandoned because he missed a lot of things. And 
some of it was selfish Mm -hmm. because I feel like some people hide in that, oh, I have to work. Oh, I have to work. It becomes their mask. I know a lot of parents who are like, I take care of you, don't you? Don't I? I put a roof over your head. You got food in your belly, but that's that don't feed everybody. You know what I'm saying? And I that's something that I want to explore because just in my own personal life, I know a lot of men who didn't grow up with fathers or in the home or if they were in the home it was like an in and out type of thing or they were on drugs or what have you and so now some of them are essentially there and I'm using air quotes mm-hmm. but they're just there they're not a body they're just yeah a body. they're just paying the bills and mm-hmm. it's like well I'm here but that's not that's that's not all children need because mm-hmm. it still creates this wall and this sense of abandonment right. because it's like you're not available emotional and they will still have a void that they're trying to fill so we talked about all of that it was really really good um saturday i watched when they see us we gonna talk about that yes and then sunday i went to a baby shower for one of my friends i swear i meet people on social media maybe like my best friend but mm-hmm. <laughs> i went to a friend i met kind of on social media but not really um, I went to her baby shower, and I always call her, like, one of my business besties because she just a ball. She got all kind of businesses, and it's her first son, um, and it was all all women. It was, you know, not co-ed, and um, the theme was Little Freddie's Village because her son is going to be the third, mm-hmm. and it was just really about wanting her child to come into a village of women that can be there for him and instill things that either she can't or reinforce, you know, the 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 values that she's trying to instill into her son and Mm -hmm. so it was like her um I guess one of her I don't know if it was like her auntie or somebody got up and went through this whole speech about being in Freddie's village and what is expected to be in Freddie's village and if you're not then you're gonna get kicked out the village right (laughs) which I mean I mean you gotta have that because you don't want you know, your son or your daughter, you know, like, you can't have soda, but then you go to the center's house, and I come back, and you just fancy it out, just soda everywhere. Like, I mean, those little things are important they matter. to parents. And grandparents are, like, the biggest offenders of, of that sometimes. So, you know, it was just cute. The food was banging. Um, made a new friend. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and then that was Sunday, and the, the baby shower was in Laurenburg, so. Child? By the time I got back. You were beat. I was beat. I'm going to tell you, I was up for the first part of the game because I saw Fantasia's outfit and she mm-hmm. looked real fly. And then when I woke up, like halfway through, I saw Obama on the screen. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Obama. He was with the com- with the commissioner. Mm-hmm. That's when I came in on the game. Yeah. And then when I woke up, the game was, was over. over. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my weekend in a nutshell. What about you? I know that was kind of long-winded, but I mean, that's why y'all here. See here all talk or whatever. So go ahead with your weekend, boo. So... My weekend started on Friday. Friday, it's kind of crazy because you know how it is with Charlotte traffic trying to get to the airport. Made it on time. Flew to Philly. Checked in. Waited for some friends. We went there for a wedding. Shout out to my friend Keegan and his new wife, Allison. Um, You know, I have a friend by the name of Jasmine who got married a couple years ago. And that wedding and this wedding were like necking, neck and neck necking. (laughs) Maybe neck and neck for um, <laughs> Courtney. You're silly <laughs> for extravagance. I, I didn't say anything. You did. Oh yes, you said plenty with your eyes. The people just can't see it. But um, 
Had a great time. Had an opportunity to kind of check out Philly on Saturday morning. Walked around, got something to eat. Went and found some amazing crab legs with two of my friends, Charlie and Devine. And um, got dressed, went to this wedding. It was in a beautiful church. We were um, escorted to their home or the the home of the bride's parents. Mm -hmm. Nothing short of amazing. Tents in the front, tents in the back. Food, food, food just being passed around. Um, We partied hard. We danced hard. The food was delicious. Um, There was a party. Actually, the night that I got there on Friday, they hosted a small party for people coming in from out of town at the golf course. And at the end of the night, so that they wouldn't disturb the neighbors after midnight, Mm -hmm. they had a silent disco party. So much fun. They had headphones for every huge wedding. They had uh, headphones for everyone. And you can turn it to one of three channels. So... I don't know if you guys have ever been to a silent disco party or like how it's worked before. This is actually my first one. But I thought when you went, everybody was listening to the same song and Mm -hmm. you guys were just dancing. They had three separate channels. And every time you change the channel, the color on your headphones changed. Mm -hmm. So you knew who else in the crowd was dancing to the song that you're dancing to. Mm -hmm. Had a blast. We were... Escorted back to the hotel, and then, of course, on Sunday, I flew home, did watch pieces of the game. I think I kind of was walking around trying to decompress, came in on the Obama part, and then before I knew it, it was over. But I did take the time to go ahead and start watching um, When They See Us. So that was Sunday, and then Monday, of course, I worked, and then I went to see my movie, which we will discuss. Bro, you was busy. A sister is tired. Doctor's appointments. Somehow I fit in like three doctor's appointments. The optometrist, the sister getting new glasses. Yeah. I'm going to be fly. If you see me, just give me a head nod because I'm going to be cute when they come back. Um. So, but that was my weekend in review. And now we're here with you beautiful people. Every week, um, we give you guys a new word on our segment called Say Word. And so, this week, our word of the week is impetuous. Impetuous? That's not what I said. You know what? I'm not going to do this every week with her, you You guys. You said impetuous. I said, I did not. I what you said. Be kind, rewind. I did not say that. I said in. like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Impetuous. I am P-E-T-U-O-U-S, impetuous. Would you like to know what it means? Girl, I was typing that in and Epitigo popped up. I hope that's not what it means. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please, ad- please advise. Okay. Like I say in my email address, I mean in my emails to people at work, when, you know, they're trying to get me something I want to do, um, this is what's going on, please advise. I like it. I know what that means. I know what that means. Hitting another key until you until you advise what to do with the situation. Exactly, because you're not gonna get me. No. Okay, impetuous. It is an adjective. It means acting or done quickly and without thought or care. It also means moving forcefully or rapidly. Some of the synonyms are impulsive, rash, hasty, um, reckless, heedless, foolhardily. Um, imprudent, unplanned, unreasoned, and then, of course, for the second definition I gave, torrential, powerful, forceful, vigorous, violent, raging, rampant, 
relentless, etc. Um, in a sentence, I'll go ahead and read that part too. Her friend was headstrong and impetuous, or an impetuous but controlled flow of water. For the second definition, forcefully or rapidly. Got it? If you say so. Do you got it? So, like, if I used it somewhere in this show, or if you needed to use it somewhere in this show, would you be able to use impetuous in a sentence? I probably could, but it's going to take me a little while to get that one in there. You know what? I don't know. I could probably figure it out. The way that... So, Common responded to his mother in a very impetuous manner before leaving town. He did. And therefore had to apologize upon his return. He apologized. Okay, that was a good one. Okay. So, that's your word for the week. You heard it on Say Word. You heard it here at the Culture Shop Podcast where we occasionally educate when we can get our words together and when (laughs) Tiffany is not (laughs) tongue-tied. I hope that you guys are implementing these into your daily routine um, and that you find a way to use impetuous sometime this week amongst your friends or family. Teach somebody else. That that repetition will help you. All right. On to good, bad, and indifferent. Every week, we tell you what's going on in the world. We tell you how we feel about it. You do not have to agree. Sometimes, we don't agree with each other. Courtney th- seems to think that we often agree with one another. So, we'll just I go with that. More thought. often than not. Sure. You know, I'm not just impetuously being disagreeable. <laughs> I like it. I see. I see. Yeah. I see what you did there. Um. Yeah. I'm not just disagreeable for just just because I want to be cute about it. I feel like we agree. Um. What, ma'am? Tiffany. Okay. You are not gonna try me this whole episode. Okay. That's what we're not going to do. I only do it. This episode, you're gonna crunch on your little chips. And we're going to keep it moving. Those people did not even need to know that I was still crunching on chips. They cannot hear me. They, you put me on blast. That is not what love does. What? What's the what title? See what I'm saying? What's the title of Common's book? What's the title of Common's book? Let love have the last word. Well. But listen, Common ain't here. <laughs> Common is not here right now sitting with us at the Culture Shop Podcast. Now, he can be. If he wants to. If he wanted to be. Okay. He can be here, but he is not here today. All right. So we're going we gonna to roll on. But one thing I do want to get out of the way, um, before we um, move on, since, you know, really and truly with us here on this podcast, Pride Month is every month. We celebrate everybody all day, every day, all the time. All the months. Um, But... Because it is Pride Month, I do want to keep everyone mindful of our um, brothers and sisters in the LGBTQIA. Did I do that right? The I and the A is on there now. Okay. If anyway, you say so. It's on there. Um, and I just wanted to talk about the tragic increase in trans violence that has been going on. Like, it, well, it's always been going on. But it just seems like... It is increasing here lately, and I don't know what it could be or why, but, like, over the last month, I think since May, it's been, like, three um, trans women that have been found murdered in the Dallas area, Dallas, Texas area alone. You think it's a serial killer? 
that's what I all said. doing the same thing for that, the same reason. That's what I said for for some of these girls, but then it's just like I mean I don't I don't know, and it kind of reminds me of. I'm going to go into my documentaries. I can't remember the name of this documentary, but it was on Prime. But it was this. It was about this serial killer. He was a black man, and he would kill prostitutes and women who were on drugs and kill addicts. And it was documented that um, one of the police officers said, basically, well, he's just taking out the trash. So you know I'm what? wondering if, if that's how these women are being looked at by law enforcement. Right. I mean, because quite possibly, and who, and who is out here fighting for them? And to your point, except for them, which is sad. And to your point, what was your point? Never mind. About it being a serial killer or not? No, no, no. Before that, um, oh, to In your that one area, not all over. So I don't want y'all to think that I'm saying it's just a serial killer just going all around. But I'm just saying that one concentrated area. It's been three or four in that area since May. No, I was gonna say to your point. Um, Maybe it's not increasing. Maybe we're just hearing more about it, which would be a good thing in the midst of the tragedy because you need awareness before you can tackle something. Yeah. Head um, on. And I just want to mention their names. Um, so we have Dana Martin, Jasmine Ware, Ashanti Carmen, Claire Legato, or Legato, um, Malaysia Booker, Joanna Medina, and, and Joe as she was called um she was the um the girl that was killed while in um custody at the border yeah that is joanna medina and then just recently on monday chanel Lindsay was found slain um i think they found her like in a pond or something down in the texas area so you know these girls are under attack so we have to be vigilant, all of us. We have to we have to remain safe. And so, I mean, it's just it's just hard to reconcile. Like, what what is going? Like, what is really going on? Because I really, in my heart, I feel like they're being targeted. For sure, they're being targeted. They always have been targeted. And I will say this: this is just a reminder, because not that we haven't said it before. You can hear a story like this and think that it won't impact you. But I promise you, I promise you, I will give you my last dollar to this fact. I promise you, if you're under the sound of our voices right now, this behavior can and will impact you in some way. And before it gets to that point, if you just, if you, even if you're someone who only operates out of selfishness, understand that. You need to learn to be an advocate for others because yours is on the way. Right. It could be your child, your grandchild. It could be they could do away with every or you really can't. But go with me here. Do away with every trans person that ever existed, that will ever exist. And then they'll come for whatever you are next. So. We need to learn as a community of human beings to just care more for each other. Yeah, and, and our website is LGBTQIA. Okay. Smart. I is for intersex and A is for asexual. Okay. So make sure you get all your letters, okay? Right. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention those um, 
ladies who have been senseless, little, 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 senselessly killed, <laughs> then get it out. Um, and that we just keep, you know, them in our hearts. And if you know someone um, who would be subjected to this type of violence or someone of the community or anybody that you can kind of talk to or hold close or just be a listening ear for, you know, do that for them because you don't know what kind of support system they have, right. if any. So just take the time to be mindful and considerate and loving to everyone, even if, you know, they're not like you, they don't live like you, they don't, you know, love the same type of way you do. We all matter and we all are deserving of a fair shot at life, safety, happiness, and love. Thank you. That's all I got. I agree. See, I can be agreeable. Sometimes. Most of the time, like, be. Like 99.9998%. Our numbers are way off and I don't appreciate it. We need to get that together. Um, okay, so you did mention in your weekend review that you had an opportunity to check out my movie. My question for you is, was it what you thought it was going to be? It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah? It was exactly what I thought. I just want to let y'all know, I really, really liked my movie. I feel like if you're someone who likes those teen scream movies then this may be or if you are a Stephen King fan then I feel like you'll like my movie when it was done I said hmm this feels like scary Carrie mixed with um um dang Kathy Bates misery misery yes it, it gave me the feel of both of those movies and like one other Stephen King movie that I can't think of off the top of my head but I enjoyed it. Um, she did startle me a couple times. There was a twist that I wasn't surprised about, but like it did get me like, oh, that was clever. I had figured um, it out. Not exactly what happened, yeah. but I had kind of figured out who was who like early, early on. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, she did make me laugh a couple times. There is one character in the movie who kept faking sleep. And she kept making me laugh. I, I thought that was some good comedy. Um, but overall, the theme of revenge. And bullying. And, bu- and bullying. So there's the thing. And I think you view the movie differently based on maybe how you grew up. And maybe even like your race or your socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure lots of people went to see the movie and thought that. She was a bad person. And then there were some of us sitting in the movie theater like, I mean, well, I get it. Mm-hmm. She was crazy town, but still. She was super crazy. Anyway, shout out to Octavia Butler. She had, um, she was an executive producer on that. And Octavia Butler. I mean, I'm like, Spencer. Octavia Butler? I'm tripping. And I said, I'm Octavia Butler. Madeira. <laughs> Madeira. <laughs> Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer, yeah. Yes. Um, I thought it was a good movie, and I also appreciate the fact that we have yet another um, black woman starring in a thriller slash horror film yes. that has gone to like the big screen. Like It's not a made-for-TV movie. Like This is an actual film. With a budget that's in the theater that we're all going to see. Yep. Um, because you don't see a lot of us in that role, especially not older, you know, heavier women. 
Because right. Octavia ain't a little bitty girl. She's 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 a thick lady. Right. You know what I'm saying? She got cushion for the pushing in all the right spots. <laughs> True. And you don't see that often. I'm just saying you don't see that. She is an average sized black woman in that role. And I appreciate that. She is you know what she is like funny scary. Like it was scary. It was scary, but it was funny. <laughs> right. Um and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a cute movie. The even the the um the kids in the movie, the teenagers, they did good too. Especially I think the so. two girls. They did really, really good. Yeah. Um so I would just, you know, implore all of you to go see it and check it out and support our good sis Octavia Spencer so that we can keep seeing her in these films and others that look like us. Definitely. Um Keeping in the theme with movies, I did not, it, this makes me so sad to say because I'm a huge Walt Disney Classic fan, um, I did not get to see Aladdin yet. I just could not squeeze it in, coming back from Philly, watching um, When They See Us and Ma Movie, which I knew we were going to talk about, so. But Aladdin, I hear, grossed $450 million so far. I heard it was good, but I'm going to wait till it come out on TV. No. Yes. Anyway, I'm gonna try really hard like, to go see it until we can get a Little Mermaid do over. Y'all doing everything else? Do Little Mermaid. Please. Well, I I love the Little Mermaid. I will say that Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin were two of my favorites because of the music. Like I, those are two movies that I can really remember watching and almost immediately knowing the songs word for word. I mean, I was much much younger whenever the Little Mermaid came out, so I do remember going to the movies to see it, but I was younger, so it took me a minute. Um, <clears throat> but I heard it was really good. Naomi Scott played um, Princess Jasmine. Mensa um, or Mena Masoud played Aladdin. Will Smith played the genie. They said that he definitely did the role justice. And one of my favorite characters is actually Jafar, which was um, played by um, Marwan Kanzari. So I'm still looking forward to seeing it. And if you guys have gone to see it, whether you're adults or you've taken your kids as an excuse, quotation marks in the air, um, to see it, I'd love to know what you thought about it. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not the only Walt Disney classic that is coming out in 2019. What else coming out? <laughs> you are a hater. <laughs> I'm letting you get your African pride on. I am proud. I'm, I'm not African, you. but I'm African descent. I'm, I'm of African it, descent. I'm letting you get it all out. Go ahead and hit, hit, you know, some, some dances and some, hit you the tribal drum. I want you to get it all out. In the jungle, the mud. Really? Negative. Hmm. You are delivering this content with an impetuous singing voice i don't think that the word is supposed to be used that way <laughs> moving right along i did see some um some steals from lion king it comes out 2019 july the 19th july the 19th i will have my butt in a seat because beyonce giselle knows know. is playing nala she is and every time i hear her voice Every time they do like a new preview, I just get more and more excited um, and definitely want to mention the um, wearable art gala because they did like a tribute to the Lion King as well. Um, but yeah, I'll talk about that She had that on her whole... Oh, her in blue. She had on her whole Nala face yes. on her outfit. <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. She had Nala face on her outfit. Yeah, <laughs> Nala I'll face. Add. They look nice and blue was really, really cute too. Mm-hmm. And Destiny's Child 
was just cute. What? They were flames. They weren't just cute. They were They were fine. Yeah, they were flames. So I just need for them to give us a reunion tour. Just one. How did we go from the Lion King because to you, Destiny's you Child? Beyonce, you said Beyonce, then you said Wherever Art Gala, then you brought it, you said Blue, and then boom, you what? went there. Now, how can you talk about Beyonce and then we're not going to go there? Okay, I'm sorry. But anyway, just to, <laughs> just to wrap up the whole thing. So, in The Lion King, um, <laughs> Donald Glover is playing Simba. Um, Eric Andre is playing Aziz. Beyonce is playing Nala. And who else do you care about? I, I love Seth Rogen. And he's playing Pumbaa. And then... Who's the mom? Um, Billy Etchner. Oh, I don't know. I don't know Billy. I don't know, Mr. Etchner. Who is um, Mufasa? Who is Mufasa? Um, I thought that they... Okay, I might be wrong. I don't want to say. Dang it. Who is Mufasa? I know that... Um, Nairobi? Is Alfred Woodard. Okay. Okay. But I wanted to say that James Earl Jones was Mufasa still, but I could be wrong. James Earl Jones, he's still with us, isn't he? Stop trying. You know what? I don't. That I'm is the second. I know, but that's the second time that you tried to kill James Earl Jones I can't on this remember. show. I can't. Yes, remember. James Earl Jones is the voice of Mufasa. Okay, still. yes, cool. I just wanted to make sure because I could not remember. Okay, I just was like, he's still with us, right? Like, I just wanted to make sure. So I'm pretty sure that is he is Mufasa, right? Yes, okay, Sarabi. Yeah. Oh, Sir Robbie. Yes. I said Nairobi. I know. I knew what you meant. <laughs> it was close, though. No, it wasn't. It was, <laughs> it was close. Not. Do you remember who Shinzi was? Shinzi is one of the um, hyenas. Nairobi is in Kenya. Yes. <laughs> I knew I wasn't crazy. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Shinzi. Do you remember Shinzi? That, that's the hyena that did, like, the most talk. I think um, your girl that you always met at. Whoopi. Yeah. Played Shinzi. Okay, so... Um, Florence is Shinzi, and the girl from Us is Young Nala. Who is Florence? Uh, what's her last name? Uh, Kasumba. Kas- yeah, Florence. Either you know her or you don't. My yeah, bad. Don't My bad. Her. But the the girl from Us is yes, oh. like Shahidi Wright Joseph. Yeah, she is Young Nala, and Beyonce is. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Cool. Well, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, so super excited about um, seeing The Lion King. Yeah, so since we're talking about The Lion King, I mean, you already opened up the door. Yes. So I'm just going to step on through. So Mm -hmm. because it is Black Music Month and we all love the tunes from the Disney movies yes. and, you know, all that good stuff. I wanted to kind of talk about a little bit of it's African and American history. Um, but the song that Tiffany so eloquently sang for us, <laughs> um, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, that song is derived from a genre of music which was composed by um, a gentleman named Solomon Linda. Yes. He is South African and we in our colonized tongue um, have, have basically, well we didn't do it but the powers that be co-opted that tune, that Awimoe, mm-hmm. which it originally was not. The correct term for that genre and that tune is called Mbube, which 
really means lion. Right. And that's how they kind of got where the lion sleeps tonight and all that kind of crap. But um, Solomon Linda um, They probably was, thought it sounded better because they love to say that something does not sound as good in right. one way. He And, oh, my God, the composers of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. So that came later. The, the genre was co-opted before we got The Lion Sleep Tonight. Mm-hmm. Because what happened is um, Mr. Linda was like a janitor and he cleaned up in this, um, it was kind of like, not a music hall, but it was like a publishing company and they heard, overheard him singing and he recorded in Bube in three takes. Mm-hmm. And that, and I, y'all, I can't hit the high notes, but that, how does it go? The, the high note in... Don't ask me because you don't want sleep. me to sing. The... That is... That's his. Um, and it was originally sang with the choir. So what happened is um, Americans heard that song and basically tried to take rights over it. Mm-hmm. And so to do this, they considered it or or called it a folk genre, which belongs to no one, created a false name, and then used that to put on any publishing that had that those chords and that um, tone in it. Of course. So there is a South African journalist. He's a white South African. And he is the direct descendant of the... Um, of the people who started apartheid. And so mm-hmm. that's how the beginning of this documentary started that I watched. It's called The Lion Share on Netflix, mm-hmm. where he basically talks about his white guilt and felt like, you know, he actually like left South Africa, came to um, America, never went back. And so he started researching this as a way to give back to a ravaged community mm-hmm. and figured out you know who Solomon Linda was and basically that he has three daughters in South Africa that didn't even know that this was a thing right so when you think about the hundreds of millions of dollars that not just the song the lion sleeps tonight has um gross but then when you put that with the lion king all of this money that they have never even seen Right, and they talk about how when um, Solomon Linda died in 1962, he had approximately like ten American dollars, the equivalent of ten American dollars in his pocket. So lo and behold, you know they got a lawyer, um, got all this situated, and they want a settlement. But the kicker is, the settlement came with the NDA, so no one could talk about how much money was given to them by or settled with them through Disney. Also terms of the settlement included that they would have to have a trust to manage their money because you couldn't possibly give three South African women this much money at one time. They have never been told how much money they got. They do not have access to it. They have a trust of people that was like allowing them, like giving them allowance. Even to this day, they cannot access this money. Um, And I just think that, you know... Somebody's taking advantage. Yes, and you can see that in the film. And so it's just crazy that this is, I mean, we know that it's still going on, but it's just kind of like, it is 2019. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me that not one lawyer can be like, okay, this isn't correct. Like, why shouldn't they have access to what they're due to their inheritance of their, their father's legacy? But, you know, this is just the the day and time that we live in. And I just wanted to, you know, bring that up since we're talking about Lion King, and since that song is just so wildly popular, and it's not even Wimaway, 
Is this? It's not even. We. That's not even. Is what this the day and time that we live in, or is this just the, the life that we live? It's just the life. Okay, that we live. I was thinking it was more of that. Yeah, and the the African journalist or the South African journalist, his name is um, Rian Milan, mm-hmm. and he's the one who basically opened this can of worms. And you can just tell that in the by watching the documentary that he has a lot of guilt because. You know, he's like, I felt like I was doing a good thing. And he was like, and now, yeah. they're right back at square one. They really don't even have access to it. He was like, but but I'm not a lawyer. Like, you know, I thought that I was helping yes. them get some, you know, reclaim You helped somebody some else get money. You helped somebody else yeah, live and, wealthy. And he's, now he's like, I still feel like, should I even done anything? Should I just stayed out of it? It was a really good documentary. It's called The Lion Chair, and it's on Netflix. So. Well, now I'm upset. That, I know. It's like a, you think it's a good story, and then when it gets to the end, it's like, what? This what? is some BS. Um, but, yeah, so that's just a little black music history for you guys since we're, you know, we love music here on the Culture Shop Podcast. Yes. And I just wanted to, you know, share that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um. I know I mentioned the wearable art gala, which I believe last year I said I wanted to go and I still want to go. And I don't know how it sneaked up on me in 2019 and I didn't have my butt in the seat, but that's okay. I'm going to keep hope alive. And one day you and I are going to be sitting fly as ever at the wearable wearable art gala. Um, But for those of you who don't know what it is, it takes place annually now in Santa Monica, California. It is put on by the Waco Theater, the Waco theater center that center is owned by richard lawson and tina knowles lawson and this year their theme was basically um in celebration of the lion king which is why everybody was you know dressed like one of the characters um and you can buy a ticket so it happened on june the first this year um and they had maxwell who i'm a huge fan of maxwell was their musical guest but you can buy a ticket so um, like table sponsorship or individual tickets go from $50,000 all the way down to $1,000 for an individual oh. patron ticket. I was and about to say, now $50,000. Right. I, I mean, everybody can't be a billionaire. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I should say, everybody ain't a billionaire yet. Yet, right. Um, but you can purchase tickets once they start going on sale online. So I'm just going to start putting a calendar reminder um, on my calendar maybe next year or the year after if you do not attend and you are a fan of art and you do believe in the arts um they always ask that if you can't attend please donate like a hundred dollars but i'm sure if you can't donate a hundred dollars they always appreciate whatever you can they have um art auctions music and contests and things of that nature so i'm excited for the day that i can attend speaking of fashion since we're talking about the wearable art gala, did you see that interview that June Ambrose, she was doing like a red carpet? Um, Recently? Yes. No, I didn't see it. Jesus Christ. Was it bad? I think she said. Yes, so- it was bad. Okay. Because she was interviewing a girl that I follow on Instagram. Her name is Hannah Brothman. And her dad is like. Where do I know that name? He's like, because her dad is like either a film executive or he might own Warner Brothers. Okay. Yeah, I think he owns Warner Brothers. And um, so June Ambrose, who's like, you know, fashion guru to the stars. Yes. She's actually still Jay-Z stylist. Anyway. I actually love her videos. 
But her, her daughter, she, she can cook. Yeah, she didn't post this. This Uh-oh. was just a clip. Okay. So she's interviewing Hannah, and she asked Hannah, like, you know, who are you wearing? So then Hannah says, I'm wearing Kate Spade. Okay. So then June says, oh. I already got my mouth open. She says, oh, you're wearing Kate. Um, Is Kate here with you? And so then Hannah's like, Kate's team is here with me. Like, how like, did you know? She actually tried to fix it for her by saying that. Yeah. Because like, she could have just said uh, she's dead. Right. I was just like, oh, I was just like, June, how? She probably got caught up. When people make huge mistakes oh, like that, like God. it's actually in your profession. Yeah. I'm like, that you she's, just made a huge mistake like you really got caught up and like she like she kept going she was like is kate here with you or, or did, she, did she come out before you june kate is no longer with us boo boo what did but june hannah, say in response she she just said you know like oh okay like whenever hannah was like kate's team is with me you right. know because i think that hannah was under under the impression when she said i'm wearing kate's bay it was probably gonna prompt like you know oh you know we miss her and blah blah blah, blah. and she's you know they just say oh it's classic and it's time you know how none they do. of that none of that June is like it's Kate with you I was just like cringing like I cannot believe you said that but anyway June I know she fumbled she fumbled a bag on that one I'm just like they gonna <laughs> you gonna be off the red carpet events sis I know right I don't know because um Steve Harvey got to do the whole contest and he announced the wrong queen that time so That's, never he's mind he's still a man i know i know i was waiting he's on still that. a man so that he'll get a pass right you get a pass you get a pass um you know who does not get a pass who these charlatans working at smoothie king different smoothie kings oh okay so that's I don't know if you guys. Smoothie King is always the same black girl because she worked early in the morning, so I I ain't never had any problems. I really haven't been to Smoothie King since I moved here. Shout out to Durham. I used to go all the time yeah, when I, I stayed there. My girl always black. So, just a quick story about the childishness of people, because it's not just young people who do this. Two customers recently went into two separate Smoothie Kings, which leads me to believe that it happens more often than not. And we just don't pay attention. If you're somebody like me, I'm trying to get out of people's way. I'm on the go. I ball up my receipts. I might fold them and put them in my wallet. But when I take them out, I never look at anything except for what I spent, what I got back, and if I got back the right amount. So two people walked into... um, Smoothie Kings and walked out offended. One individual was a black person who ended up with the N-word where their name should be on their receipt, and they noticed. And then the other one, which you and I were discussing, um, I want to make sure I get the young man's name right. He actually went in with his children. His name was Tony Choi, and he walked in, and he said that he placed the order. He noticed that they were giggling, but there was nothing funny, and when he looked at the receipt... They put Jackie Chan where his name should be. Now, Smoothie King, of course, came out with a statement. They said they were appalled that it goes against, you know, everything that they stand for and that the individuals who or the offenders offenders were fired or let go. Good. They should have been. Of course. Um, And I think the other person's name was uh, Calvin Caldwell. Yeah. So I never look up there to see what the name says. Oh, but sister, but I am I going to start. But I never do. The only the only one that I really look at is when, you know, like how when you get 
Starbucks or something, they write your name on there mm-hmm. until I figured out that they use that as a marketing ploy. So that's why mm-hmm. I don't even pay any attention anymore. They purposely spell your name wrong. So, because you know, people will tweet me like, look at or who is so and so? But you, you're you're giving them yes. free promo, right? Because you're posting your Starbucks right. when you otherwise may not have. Because some people are just like I'm not, I don't care, right? But if it's like your name is wrong and they just like totally fudged it up, you take a picture and post it. That's free marketing. So they do that purposefully. Huh. Yes. Never paid it any attention. Yes. Stop drinking Starbucks quite a while ago. Because <laughs> yes. you know, once somebody offends me, I stop spending my money with them. But that's neither here nor there. Actually, it's everywhere, but you know. Um, We talked about uh, billionaires earlier, and you just mentioned June, who does dress Jay-Z or Mm -hmm. style Jay-Z. Jay-Z is now a billionaire. So excited. We're going to reach up Billy first. Yes. I told my wife this really works. The what? What really works? I don't, I was, I'm trying to cut back on my curses okay. now. Will I just, you allow me to be cursed free? You can do whatever you want I'm to, honestly. because I don't want nobody to listen to this podcast, see me out in the streets, and think that, you know, it's about to be a city girl summer. Courtney, because it's not. They done heard 62 <laughs> episodes like before this. Well, listen, this is the 60-something-ish episode. Three. Three. And she's not doing that this episode, okay? She's giving you... Courtney B, y'all love Anzantz, okay? I'm giving you regalness, okay? Regal realness. Mammy titties. Huh? Mammy, mammy boobs. Who got mammy boobs? Iyanla. Does she? Yes. I ain't never paid no attention. I know she got them big wide hips. Look like she birthed a four, five babies. <laughs> I just said, woo-wee. Iyanla. Iyanla got hips, but A's. But, okay, I'm trying to do better. Feel you. And use more, <laughs> use more of my SAT vocabulary words. Then I why did, then why you be trying to clown me whenever I give the say word word? Because if you you sound like a little school teacher, you're like okay, today class, well, we're gonna do our sight words, and this today's word is impetuous. Can you spell the word for me? I have to I articulate. Like I have to articulate it well because I want everyone to hear me clearly. And that's why that's why we have you on the Culture Shock podcast. Thank you, girl. Because Wait a minute. You you okay. you good with that? You I'm, real? You real? And the category is Miss <laughs> really? WSSU realness. Man, yes, that's that's your category. Vanna Black. Yes, Vanna Black. That's your category. So we love you for that. I mean, you know. It is. I mean, that's what we like. What we like. I love Courtney B. I just want y'all to know that. Um, anyway, we're talking oh, about Hove. We were talking about. Well, we talked about him there. Yeah, but we we need to go in and kind of like, uh, you know, like break down exactly what is you know leading up to this billionaire status. And I just want to say something. This what? is this is what you call self-made billion. There. Now, not mommy I knew, and daddy. I knew you were going. Not there. you know, leaving you money or leaving you a trust or ha- or having a, a notable last name. You know that is not no. Like this is what you call self-made children. Yeah. People like Jay Z. People like Oprah Winfrey. Ooh, These Oprah. are self-made billionaires. You know what? Speak- Hopefully, Puff Daddy and Dr. Dre will oh, be there too. Oh, I, I fully believe need, that it's friendly more, competition. We need more, but. These are self-made 
people. Okay? I just wanted to clarify since y'all didn't listen to dictionary.com when they did it for you. I'm going to do it again. Okay? That's not what that is. Jay-Z is a self-made billionaire. So, Jay-Z's assets include a $75 million music catalog. Um, which he owns. Yes. Streaming ser- services title. Um, which is also worth an estimated $100 million. His entertainment company, Rock Nation, which is worth $75 million. Mm-hmm. This makes me so happy. Um, and a $70 million art collection. Pause. So, do you remember a while ago when it was an interview that came out? And I think this was when Magna Carta, Holy, Holy Grail. Grail, came out. And... Jay-Z did the Picasso Baby video in the Mm -hmm. art gallery. And I distinctly remember Drake saying something about, yeah, all that art stuff is corny. It's for old guys. $70 million is corny. Yes, and they're including it in his network. That is just going to appreciate. Over time. Let me, let me you better back in my it, chair. You I, I'm like an elephant. I don't forget nothing. Let me tell you I something. Remember what, you said. what you better do is go get you some art. Now I am a huge fan of art, and and you can support like local artists, black artists. I'm the, telling you, the, I got my eye on somebody who I know. I know when I'm about 75, I'm gonna be able to sell them pieces because child. they are that good. They are that, and and not only are they good. They connect. Yes. And it is, the art is emotional. And it's, you can tell it's it's from a genuine place. It's authentic. It is unlike any other yes. art that I've ever seen. And so I know, like, I am going to, this is, I'm going to probably leave this to my kids. And I'm not telling y'all who it is because I don't want y'all to go buy it. But mm-hmm, once I buy mine, then I'll let you know. But yeah. Fair. Like, that's a smart investment. Not buying a million dollar phone cases. Aubrey. I mean, come on. Is that what you're here doing? Yes, girl. I, I want to mention something else, too. Um, remind me, I have a Pride Month thing to mention. Um, $70 million, $70 million art collection and real estate worth about $50 million. Um, Uber. Yes. I just lost my train. Of I think it's like seventy million. So he owns a hundred percent of Armand de Bergerac. I can never pronounce that, but the champagne that he owns. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I get mixed up with the book, and never mind. Um, which is worth an estimated three hundred and ten million. Jeez. And he has a stake in cognac, of course. His douce. I don't like that. It's this. If you guys live in Charlotte. Um, and you go to Red 28, get the Holy Grail. It's like yeah. Douce, orange juice, and something else. It is strong and good. And good. <laughs> he, strong and good. That is a joint venture with um, Bacardi. Did you know that? What? Douce? Yeah, like his $310 million stake with the whole cognac brand hmm. is in conjunction with Bacardi. Um... And that partnership also amounts separately to one hundred million dollars. Are y'all? When I say a hundred, I don't mean like a hundred a hundred dollars. I don't mean a hundred thousand dollars. I'm saying like millions behind of all of this. Um, he also benefited, you know, from investing in Uber, like you stated before, which is now worth seventy million, um, and has a total of two hundred and twenty million in cash and investments. Mom. Dear God, 
whatever you're doing in this season, <laughs> please don't do it without me. I'm just saying, don't do it without me. Boy, you can't take people from Sanford nowhere. Uh Uh-uh, don't even do that. Because last week on this very show, you were being churchy in the very beginning all the way to the very end. I was. I was in a churchy spirit last last week. I'm always in and out of a churchy spirit. That's just the God in me. It's the God in me. Hey, it's the God in me. Hey, hey, you know I love Mary Mary. Anyway, moving on. Props to Jay-Z. He ain't a businessman. He's a Um, Oh, what I wanted to mention was, I don't know if you saw this, but of course it is technically Pride Month. Although, like you said, we celebrate pride um, in just being who you are every month. But Marlon Wayans posted um, his kid and how proud he was um, and wanted to support his daughter. And people were dragging him and he got them all the way together no, about, about his youngin'. But why would they be dragging him? Because for, you know, I'm gonna tell you. Why. I'm confused. I was like, well, what were they dragging him for? Because for supporting his own child, because his that child is a part. Yes, it came out of his yes testicles. Right. Because that he, that he paid for all those things. Everything that she do. All those. That things. he got to be responsible for something happening. The same. You know what? You know why they were dragging him for the same reason that. They are out here killing trans people, and they 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 drag um, or tried to drag um, Gabrielle and Dwayne Wade too. Yeah, we, we like, talked about they, that. What right? are they supposed to do? What are what are they supposed? What are you supposed to do? Beat them into submission? Be who they are into submission? Talking about be ashamed? You. What are you? I mean, this is they kid. You can it's a whole lot them. worse that they, these kids could be doing. Yeah, you could support them by, you know, helping them to see the error of their ways. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Let ye without sin cast the first stone. I won't. I don't care what nobody's doing. It ain't your right to call out anything. Right. Especially about a child. Somebody else's child that you ain't got to put not nail crumb of bread in their mouth. That they are raising all the way. Um, don't so make me get started a about big people and they and trying to tell people do their kids. Middle now. finger to everybody <laughs> who tried it, but Marlon got them all the way together. Um, I'm trying to. Oh, I think I might have sent this to you, but you know, I love Chance and I love all that. And did you hear, so I've heard several snippets now and seen several different videos of Chance the Rapper dancing to a song that sounds like the new All That theme song. And I just want you to know this level that my voice is right now is going to go up like 10 octaves. So you know they're doing a reboot. An All That reboot. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the girl, God, what is her name? I don't want to call the wrong name. It's going to be Instagram celebrities. I don't know if it's going to be just... Like, I feel like Keenan would be involved somehow. They need Keenan and Kale. I have no doubt that... Because they are both still funny. Keenan is hilarious. What? Um, so, I'm not sure. But the theme song is, like, super, super, super dope. If you haven't heard or seen it, I do feel like Mr. Hotspot is supposed to be a part of it. Because Chance keeps tagging him. Oh, Okay. Which would be great. He yeah, makes like me him. happy. I like him. Um, it's none so. of my business. It's none, none of my business. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I heard he's having some success over in Korea, actually. It makes me really happy to know that people are really getting theirs. 
<sighs> um, and I'm trying to wait until the very last minute to talk about this that took so much out of me. Are you ready to talk about? Yeah, I'm, when they I'm si- ready. No, I'm going to save that. Okay. What? Go and spill no, it, no, 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 no. I'm going to save it for the end. So, we watched When They See Us. I'm going I'm to just keep it all the way 100. The first, I thought that it was going to be the hardest part for me because we know how it ends, right? But watching, like, the progression is so was so difficult. And so it was a four-part series with some commentary. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched it through Netflix, then there is some commentary you may have missed with Ava DuVernay. If you missed that, it is definitely worth going back to watch. It's about six to eight minutes of um, commentary from her and the actors uh, who who played um, in these roles. But I had to lay down and sit up and roll around while I was watching this like that's how emotional emotional I was we've been waiting to see uh the story of the Central Park Five we know the story we've read the articles but just to see it come into play and then knowing that life can really move that quickly is just bananas knowing that police officers a lot of times really do behave that way and there's this narrative that if you don't do anything wrong then you don't have anything to worry about and how like people do need advocates which is a theme on this show um and the part that really breaks my heart I mean my heart is broken for all of them having lost so much time but the person who spent the most time in jail was never even on a list got caught up in the prison system and not just in like juvie with the rest of them, but in adult prison based on his age because he was what? Not not even a full year Mm -hmm. older than some of the other kids, but getting caught up in that part of the system and having served so much time because he was trying to be an advocate for somebody else. Crushed me. I got through that, got through two and three, and then last night I watched four, and there were several things that made me, that like really touched me, but honestly, the scene, um, and we can talk about it in a little bit, but the scene with Isis playing um, the transgender Mm -hmm. sister, that's what... I, I mean, I was silently crying because I, you know, I was a little, I wasn't embarrassed, but I was trying not to disturb the watching of the documentary. But I love Ava. And in that moment, I was just, tears were like streaming, like my chest was getting tight because it was very real. And just like on this episode, we're talking about transgender people being under attack. And if you notice in the film and in real life, um, she was murdered. So, yeah, and you and she treated her that way, shunned her away, and then now your son is is gone, and now you ain't got nobody. Nobody, right? Being ugly, looking ugly, acting ugly. Which Nisi, and then I I seen something where people were talking about you know I guess because what's that show she's in like Reno Nine One One or you know she's usually bubbly and silly and funny, mm-hmm. but. You know, people were surprised with her acting, but if you watch this series, Claws, um, she plays somebody. This uh, she plays a, a salon um, owner. Her name is Desna. Right. She's serious in that, and and she's really good at it. Right. So I was just, you know, kind of taking it back that people were surprised at how 
good of a serious actor or actress she is. And I'm like, no, listen, Nisi Nash can put it down. Okay. Um, so, but I, I think because, um, because there was a documentary that came out about the, well, the exonerated five, as we should be calling them, but the Central Park Five. Yes. Um, and I watched it in, in like, I think it was 2013. And that documentary was specifically told from them. All mm-hmm. of them were in it. Right. So it was good to see, to, to see and hear them, you know, kind of talk about it and show like the actual um, footage from their interviews. Mm-hmm. But it was a totally different emotion watching it through the eyes of the boys. You know, as, Yo, as kids, because yes. of course I'm hearing these grown adults tell the story. Right. But and you're like, that's horrible. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that was effed up. But then when you actually think about these are 14, 15 and a 16 year old boy going through this, it just, it just, I'm not going to lie. It made me angry. It made me very, very, very angry because it's like. It really makes you feel like you have no agency over your own body and your right. own life. Because at any moment you can you can just snatch me out of here and say I did XYZ. You know and, and, and who's gonna tell you that who's gonna stand up for me and be able to prove that I didn't and even when you can prove that I didn't do it, you still potentially have twelve biased people that are gonna judge me and, and hold my fate in their hands. So where am I ever gonna? Where can I ever go to really get justice? Because that forty-one million dollars is not justice. Oh, I was gonna say the same thing, and that's the most that had been paid out in in New York history, I guess at the time or maybe ever. Um, there was a part where the actor who plays Raymond um, Jr., Raymond Santana Jr., where he said, um, when they talk about, I, I'm hope I hope that I got that right. But when they talk about boys will be boys, they're not talking about us. They're talking about other boys. When do we get to be boys? And I thought, like, and maybe this is something I just need to explore, like, in in the spirit of transparency. But I thought back to, like, my own childhood. Now, I know that there are plenty of children, like, brown, black and brown children who get to be children. But so many of us, like, way less than our Caucasian counterparts experience a life where we're children but we don't get to be children like I remember being a child thinking I'm a person just waiting to grow into the body that my mind you know has or not even like my mind but like what has been required of me at this young age is already past what my what some of my other peers get to experience Mm -hmm. That's kind of what Kama was saying in his book. It's 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 a very real thing. It is. Even with, even not only with outside of the home, but in the home. Because, you know, yes. think about it. A lot of times when, you know, you have single moms, unknowingly, they put a lot of that emotional responsibility on their little boy. Right. You know, you got to be a man now. But they're not equipped to handle that because right. they are children. They shouldn't have to even be thinking about those things. So uh, I feel like at first it kind of when when I heard the title, I was it was kind of like a disconnect for me because I'm like, okay, what does this you know kind of like what did this mean? And then once I watched it, I was like, oh, because 
when they see us, this is how they label us. They're, they're animals, they're wildlings, they're monsters, they're criminals. That is what they see when they, they see, see us. The visceral in which Linda Ferristein used when describing those babies had me hot. Like, I wanted to jump through the television, and I know she was just the, the actor. If you guys don't know who Linda... So, just recapping, I'm sure most of you listening, if you're listening to this podcast, you definitely probably know who the central park slash exonerated five are Mm -hmm. um and what the story is but there was the um the jogger in the park Mm -hmm. Um, miley i think her name was patricia miley mm -hmm. and she was attacked by someone even in the beginning of the film they they allude to the fact that it was one person who dragged her into the woods um and somehow they ended up getting these five boys for it and later on um it's so funny how they played that out in the movie. I wonder the if that's how meeting. it... Yeah, the, mm-hmm. like they got in a fight and everything and everything. I don't but, know if the fight is, but, but they were meeting. definitely in the same yes, prison. Yes, they definitely... He definitely had that conversation with... Right. Um, and I think his name was like Mateus Reyes. Reyes. They mm-hmm. definitely... Um, they definitely had that conversation. Yes. About you've been in here all this time. And, and to... The other guys had already gotten out. So to have him confess... They they would have never been exonerated, and uh-huh. and honestly, and they had Corey, DNA evidence that did not belong to any one of them. Corey would have never gotten out of jail because at that point he was like, if they don't want me to tell the truth, then I don't need to go before the parole board. And that's one thing that I I just really admire about those young boys. Yes, because they never, yeah, ever would admit guilt for that ever. Right, they got them initially, not feeding them, not. Allowing them to have any rest, hitting them, not allowing their parents, you know, just taking advantage of the parents who could not be there. Um, Linda Ferristein is an American author. She was the head of sex crimes for like the Manhattan Division under um, the DA's office there at the time. And then the prosecutor was Elizabeth Letterer. Can't remember. She was the one with the tight hair, looked kind of yeah. like Marsha Clark. Yes, I thought that same thing whenever well, I was that watching must have it. Been the style, them little perms back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, now I feel like I read somewhere that right now Linda is a professor at a university. She sold all of these crime novels. Um, sometimes I think switching the names, of course, but basically using real stories and um. The people are not here for Linda. They're trying to figure out how to affect her money. Now, for me, you know, I always go back to this same thought. I I do the same thing with those who shall not be named on this show. Um, But they're already rich. Like, I know you can cut off the income that's coming thereafter. But they're already, they've already made their money off of situations like this but that's the same thing for r kelly though people can say that about him but r kelly the 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 great thing about that is that r kelly is not rich but for separate reasons of course like he just he mismanaged that money right um so we know that cutting off his steady flow of income is going to affect him directly i don't know that this would be the case with linda if they I mean, but you don't know how she's, you don't know if she's managing her money correctly. I don't disagree. You're right. We don't, don't know, know that. Um, but this is something that I heard, and I'm not sure how true it is, um, but I heard that Ava reached out to 
everybody that was involved. Yes. And ask, you know, their input or whatever. And I know the one lady with the tight curls said she didn't want no parts of it. Okay. And Linda Fairstein had allegedly said that she wanted to be able to basically not have herself look bad. And they were like, nah, this, we gonna, this is how we're telling no, the story. No, we're going to tell the story. And, uh, from their perspective and what happened and that's it. And so um, I just saw where she is like on the board of a nonprofit organization and they're trying to get her booted off of that, trying to get her dropped from her, I guess, publishing companies that publish her book. And she has a lot of books, y'all. A ton. People are calling like bookstores asking to have her books removed and everything. And like. she has deactivated her Twitter because sis can't handle it. No. So I'm like, oh, you can't handle, you can't handle the fire. She can't handle uh, Twitter dragging, but she thought 14, 15, and 16-year-old boys can handle prison. Mm-hmm. Um, two, two things that I want to touch on before you know we happen to move on. Um, the first thing is by watching that first documentary, um, it wasn't as clearly displayed the fracture to the families that happened as a result of their... Um, basically false imprisonment, like their incarceration, especially with um, Kevin Richardson and his dad, um, when, you know, basically he, um, not Kevin, was that Kevin Richardson? No. Antron. Antron. Antron McRae. The way his dad told him, you know, just say what, just say what they want you to say so we can go, so you can go home. And I watched, um, it was a CBS um, quick interview that they did with with the men um, a couple days ago, and they asked Antron because you know in the in the series it's like his dad is sick and you know he hugs him and it kind of looks like they make up. And when speaking to the real Antron, he was like, "No, I never forgave him." Never. He was yeah. like, "He's a cow." He was a coward. He was like, "I never forgave him." Now, did he think that his father was a coward for telling him the wrong thing mm-hmm. or, or leaving? Cause telling I know him it. to say what he said, telling him to just because he, he that boy that boy wouldn't have went to well. After they got um, Corey, maybe. Right. Because Corey was the oldest, and they were able to speak with him without parents, and, you know, they got him to corroborate a story that just wasn't true. But And from watching the original, just the, well, not the original, but the documentary, not the series. Right. They highlighted it some in the series, but I don't think that, Corey is like developmentally 100% there when you watch the documentary because like he can't read and when you listen to him in the interview you can kind of tell like he may be 16 but he like he's really like probably mentally the same age as they are like 13 14 yes you can kind of tell that in his interviewing and so I feel like with Corey that's what really like that was the toughest episode for me to watch the, but it was the best one it was it was he so necessary job both of those both of the men both the boy and the man yeah that's him get out of you here this childish Gambino part two. no 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 you know what <laughs> i did think that this morning i was looking at the picture like oh it didn't dawn on yeah, me that day him. but they got him together yeah he's the it's a, he's the only one who didn't change right right okay. um but i wanted to talk talk about that in regards to just how like deprived he was from being in 
solitary confinement. We've seen what happened to Khalif and mm -hmm. what has happened to, I think on um, How to Get Away with Murder, they touched on that because Nate Singer's dad was in solitary for like I don't yes. know how many years and as soon as he got out, he like snapped and killed somebody and had never been violent before. Yep. And you can just see how devoid he was of just human contact the way when his mom was leaving and he just like grabbed her like he just wanted to touch her yes because you know it's like when come, this, come more often yeah come as often oh as God. you and can she was like i ain't got nothing to send you girl just broke my heart <laughs> and listen man out of jail and i was like how can we get some money together to send to Corey? meanwhile Corey's a millionaire him. but i'm just saying yes even watching heartbreaking that's the story of so many so many for something that they did not do and with the corrupt guards yes like you know he was a baby he should have never that uh, it, it was an instance like that with the show if you watch making a murderer where brandon da dassey he's one of the another young boy who got who's in jail now for something that he had no clue about yeah but he has um developmental delays and learning disabilities mm -hmm. and you cannot i mean i know that even in his case, okay, he's 16, but he is not a he's not a 16-year-old. You can't put him in here with 40s and 30-year-old men who done killed and raped people. Like, right. he doesn't need to be in there with them. But they don't see, they don't take all of that into consideration even when they are placing you in a facility or a correctional facility. They don't even take that into consideration. And they should. Yeah. Because people are different. That weighed heavily on me whenever um in the scene where... Kevin Kevin got out of um, jail and his sister was saying, I know you've seen things or, mm -hmm. you know, had to survive things. Uh, it just really weighed on me like, man, some of them, if not all of them, may have been raped, definitely been beaten up. Mm -hmm. And it just we talked about this on a previous episode where oftentimes when people who normally have not had any contact or any history of criminal activity, when you place them in a facility like that, they have to, by default, learn to think like a criminal. Yep. And that's exactly what happened with Raymond. Because Raymond hadn't been doing any, he hadn't been selling drugs or doing anything, but you put somebody in that situation, they have to learn how to survive. That's right. And in the original documentary, um, Raymond talks about how I mean I couldn't get a job. Yeah, I didn't. I, I mean my whole childhood was gone. My early adulthood was gone. I didn't know how to work. I didn't know how to do anything but do legal stuff because that's what I had to do on the inside to survive. Well, nobody sending him money and doing those types of things. Right. And so he basically kept. He was like on an in and out type of thing. Like he like they showed in the series. He would go in, come out, and that persisted with him for a while. Yeah. But if you take away this horrible occurrence that happened to them, there's no telling what he could have done. Any of them could have done with their lives. And, you know, some of the guys that go on and went back to school and did what they needed to do because I think Yusuf was, like, highly intelligent. He was very, very, very intelligent. He received a Lifetime Achievement Award from Barack Obama when he was president. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that. And I wanted to mention one thing, and then I'll be done because mm -hmm. we can just go on and on. But Asante Black, who played... Kevin, yes, the little bitty one. Yes, um, Ava found him in a school playing basketball and just plucked him up. Play, mm -hmm. golly, you can be found anywhere, anywhere. Um, and I just like he was just 
I mean, they're all they were all handsome, but to me, I just wanted to like pick him up and kiss him on the cheek. Yeah, he was so cute. He was so cute, and I think that that was done purposefully, like to as a testament to just how young he really, really yes, was. Yes, he was a baby playing a trumpet. He was a baby. So, um. I know that today, like Kevin, most of them, well, three of them moved to Georgia. Mm-hmm. I know Yusef lives in Georgia. And he got like 10 kids. Yes, he does. <laughs> one of them, another Jesus. one of them has quite a few kids. Like seven. Yes. Yeah, boy, they, they made up for a lot of time when they got out. I think it's Antron <laughs> that might, I don't know. I think Antron lives in Georgia, and I know that Raymond lives in Georgia. He has one daughter. I think her name is Malia. Corey is the only one who stayed in New York, which makes me believe that Kevin lives in New Jersey. And if it's not, then it's Kevin and Antron flipped. But Corey started, um, you know, an innocence project. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, yep, yeah, it's got to be Kevin that lives in New Jersey because Kevin works with the innocence project. Good for them. So I. Even in hearing the stories all the way along or, you know, while they were working through the exoneration, um, especially with Corey Wise, I was really worried because I used to read about, like, the fact that he did have a a reading disability Mm -hmm. um, and something, a hearing disability also. You can can tell when you see the actual footage in in that original documentary, you can tell that, you know, you can just kind of tell that he may have some impairments. Yep. So, shout out to Ava for continuing to push the stories for the culture that really need to be told in a way that is so beautiful. She is very meticulous about how she puts things together. She is very intentional about how she tells her stories. It's still beyond me um, that she started her profession this late, like older than I am right now. And it's making making such an impact. It really is powerful. Um it moves me every time I think about it. Shout out to her for having, you know, EP credit, Oprah, Dasha Polanco, which is one of my favorite actresses. Yes, she, the new black. Let me tell you, she played um, that role. Homeboy, John Leguizamo. John Le- Legend. Yes. He was actually one of the first people to get pulled into the film. Do you remember when they first started talking mm-hmm. about it and promoting it on the front end with no steals and no videos? John Leguizamo was one of the first people talking about it. An OG. One thing, too, that I thought was, it just speaks to how heavy this is for everybody and how traumatizing it is for us to just see it in a you know not to not to be equivalent to what they experience but just how traumatizing it is that while on set it was a grief counselor there 24/7 for everybody on and set necessary everybody had access to a grief counselor the entire time so that just lets you know like how deep and how heavy it is. And I just what I like what I would like to see is in a couple of years from now where where the guys are as it relates to um the actors and actresses that portray them. Because that's one thing that Common said was like being on Selma, it was something about what they were recreating mm-hmm. that he is now like tethered to forever yes, to those people that were working on that film and Nisi Nash talked about going to or when they were filming her and Corey were going somewhere you know going to eat or something and she was just like the entire time he was just holding her hand he was she was like he just he just would not let me go and it's just like probably because he has been he's not 
he's probably like terrified of just people just not being with him. She said that he she could he just the whole time had to be touching her the whole time, holding her hand when they went places, you know. Somebody that he trusts. Mm-hmm. And she has now this is called this. Ooh, from this I do film, not know why that makes me want to cry, boy. Woo. Mm-hmm. It's it's sad. Mm. I just I I just couldn't imagine having my because you can't get those years but like they just took your life that's, away. That's the unfair part, and that's what um John Leguizamo was telling the character that or the the guy that was playing um. Right. So you know, you're about to cry. Yes, I'm so sad. I'm so sad. Yeah, and it well, and I was leading into now. Niecy Nash has joined the Innocence Project as well as a result of being on this. Impact. So I feel like everybody is changed. Impact. I think the actors and actresses, the the people behind the scenes, Ava, the community as a whole. I think that those of us who are paying attention, mm-hmm. we're all like. Even more woke. The mission is being accomplished then. And that's why we have to... You know what? Netflix. Listen. We said that last week, didn't we? You're doing your thing, Netflix. get all my coins. And they done put my girl on. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna go. Come on, Carmen Hip Hopper. (laughs) I said Netflix better be having the shows. But anyway, that went totally left. But I loved it. Hands down, Jarrell Jerome, Corey Wise was my favorite. Yeah, he played no, really. that part in the episode that Woo! I that fourth episode. I was like, this. They needed to dedicate an entire part just to Corey mm-hmm. because his experience was so different, and that does not take away from the other four mm-hmm. at all. Even down to the mothers, like you could understand every facet, right? Like the moms. Arguing, like I just, I'm trying to get my I son out. Son. I can't worry about you. that one. You said, "Mama," she was off the chain, and his, her her son still went to jail. I, she I was felt off the bad. Chain with her little Stevie Wonder braided wig. <laughs> Don't go do ahead, Miss Salon. We see you, girl. Do not do that. We see you, girl. Stevie Wonder realness. We see you, girl. Dang, Antron never made up with his dad. Mm-mm. And you can see he was still visibly mad when they brought it up. Mm-hmm. He was still mad. You could tell by his demeanor, the way he talked about it, he was still mad. He was like, he's a coward. He was a coward. Still now, he's never forgiven him. So that in the movie was... That's a a heavy burden for him to still be carrying as well. But I mean, you can't tell people how to... He said he ruined my life. Then white people ruined his life. The cops ruined everybody. You know what he probably feels. His father was afraid and let down because it's like you my you are my dad. Yeah, I get it. You you are the one that was supposed to protect me. Mm-hmm. I get and it. And the fact too that you were there and you went out there and talked to them and then you came back and start flipping out on me. Right. You're so all you're all I had. Y'all made my mama leave. And so that's that one person that's supposed to be, and that's what he said. He was like, he was supposed to be. He was my hero. He was like, no. Never, I've never, we never made up. Wow. Um, well, if you guys have seen it, and I hope that you have, I know plenty of people who are saying that they can't watch it because they know what happened, which, you know, I've said that like about Fruitville Station, but, and maybe, maybe I need to watch it. Um, but I will say about this one, it should be a little bit easier because you know that they all survive. You know that they, 
did not get justice for the life the life that they lost the parts of their lives that they lost um but they were exonerated they were awarded some money and it seems from the outside looking in that they're all doing well relatively speaking um yeah, but this Brian is said he never well, all of them say that, that they think about it every day yeah oh how could they, they not think about it every day how could they not, even in the film, not saying that this actually happened, but even in the film, anytime one of them mentioned, like, going to the park, even I was like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, knowing that it was fine, but, like, oh, you know what made me mad? That what? girl, the girl who was dating, who was she dating? You, It wasn't Yusef, it was Antron, right? Who was working at the movie theater? Oh, my God, that was... um. That was and that was Antron. She was a little. She was terrible. Bald head, scaly wig, ain't got no hair, hair in the back. back. Exactly. She was. I was like, boy, leave the, her alone. The fact that she called him a rapist when she got mad, I was like, it, it, it's reminiscent of like how white people will start spewing hateful words whenever they get mad. It's like, well, that's what you thought the whole time, girl. Just why like, are you um, dating somebody that you exactly? I'm when a, she called him oh, a rapist. rapist, like. No, he didn't do that. I'm going to call your um, P.O. and tell him you're selling drugs. Yeah, you I was know like, he didn't Lord. do that. Yeah, but just to be mean, just to be hateful. That's, you know what, that's a word. Um, but anyway, if you haven't watched it, please do. If you were thinking about not watching it, I'm trying to tell you it is worth it. It is necessary. Um, in addition to the fact that we want Netflix to continue to pump out this kind of material. And therefore, we have to support it. But also, let let your life be changed by these stories. These are real stories. Um, my brother and I were talking about it. And um, I wanted to make sure that we talked about the guys first and Ava and all that. Um, because even in some of the interviews and stuff that I was reading, you know, Ava basically said that y'all's dumbass president was a footnote. Like, he doesn't matter. Right. He was just a footnote I noticed. to put it into context because I feel like at the time, because they were so young, that was probably, I mean, Donald Trump. Like, I mean, you know, it, it's not like it is today, yeah. but now you have to be in a country where this person who basically called for your execution before you were even tried is the president. Mm-hmm. So now I would feel like. I mean, it's just like throwing salt in a wound. Like, how dare, like, how dare anybody think that this person is going to be president? Right. But what I would love to see happen is, you know, the election is about to, you know, get underway and we're about to start having debates. I would love for one of these Democratic candidates to have all the Central Park Five come sit right in the front row and have and, and have somebody ask him that question. Yep. In front of everybody. Like, you try to parade um, Bill Clinton's mistresses or whoever in there. Let them come up in there and sit around the front row and look at your ass. Right. Mm-hmm. I like it. I would, listen, I would want to be a fly on the wall. Because you know how they have the town halls and yeah. people could ask questions? Let them ask a question. Or let one of them stand up let and ask said, a question. Let you sit <laughs> You know, if they did stand up, if one of them stood up to ask a question, he might not even know who they are. Mm-mm. But we will. Mm-hmm. Girl, I'd be glued. Woo-wee! I would be glued. If you saw um, when they see us, please let us know what you thought. We, we definitely want to hear from you um, if we missed anything in the story or, you know, there's something that you want to tag along uh, with a point you want to make. Please let us know. 
would love, love, love to get your comments on this. I, I know I'm going to be thinking about it and dissecting it for a while. Yeah, it's a lot of moving parts yeah. and a lot to unpack and to think about. Um, I, I just want to know, like, how Linda is going to be doing in five years. Honey, she going to be somewhere wrinkled up and stressed out. Already wrinkled up and stressed out. She gonna, Yeah, that's it. She's going to be crying tears. And you know what I'm going to say. It's above me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to say earlier, and I was like, I'm going to save it for later. That's what we're all going to say. It's, it's above, above me. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's above me now. Um. Anyway, so, B, you didn't even notice. You got your braces on. Yes, girl. Are you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have even noticed then if I hadn't licked I, my teeth. No, yeah, I thought something was different, but I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cute, y'all. I mean, I was cute with the braces, but I definitely listen. I went in for a regular visit, and they were just like, take "Yeah, let's take them off." I'm like, "I'm, I'm not ready." They like, "You ready? But take them off." For your wedding. Girl, I wanted them to stay on until my wedding so that they would still be perfect. You know how it is with your. Oh retainers. my gosh, they're not gonna move that much. You got a retainer at night, right? I do. Mm-hmm. All right. I look great, y'all. Um, so I love how you threw that in there. What? <laughs> that, that you didn't yes, notice? Be your own <laughs> no, when you said, oh, I, I, look I look great, great y'all. Because <laughs> I do. I mean, I, the thing is, I be hyping other people yes, up all the time. Yes, I am the queen of hype. And I spend so much time hyping up everybody else, giving everybody good ideas. Like, focusing on everybody else. Sometimes, I just need to be like, you know what, Tiffany? I look great, y'all. I look great. I look great, y'all. I need to know it, and I need... Well, I do know it, but I need for y'all to know it, and I need for y'all to know that I know it. So... If somebody ask me how you look, I'm going to be like... I look great, y'all. Uh-huh. And then it's going to be like, hey, I'm going to say, it's above me. <laughs> it's above me now. It's above me now. I don't know. <laughs> so, what did you find funny or inspiring this week? Um, I want to give a little bit of inspiration. So, last week we talked about um, giving back to your community, doing what you can to help those in need. We talked about, um, I don't know if it was last week or maybe the week before, but we talked about Robert F. Smith mm-hmm. um, basically delivering all of those uh Men of God from student loan debt hey, hey. <laughs> down in morale. Hey, hey. Um, and so, <clears throat> because of that, um, one of our very own here in North Carolina, Miss Season Bennett, mm-hmm. felt compelled to do the same thing. So, Miss Bennett is a North Carolina barbershop owner here in Charlotte. The name of her, her shop is Headlines Barbershop. Mm-hmm. So, after seeing Robert S. Smith um, being all philanthropic or whatever, she felt like, you know, she should do something to give back to her local community. Mm-hmm. So she contacted East Mecklenburg High School and asked about any debts that were owed to the rising seniors that would prevent them from graduating. Right, walking. And, yeah. yeah. And so she started a, a GoFundMe after she found out it was about 14 students that were not going to be able to walk because of um, the money that they owed. So they, she started a GoFundMe, raised about $1,000, and then just out of the blue... One of the um, Carolina Panthers, Thomas Davis, came and just put $4,000 in there, which got her over her goal of $4,500. So she was able to wipe out all of those debts for those seniors at East Mac so they can walk. So it doesn't take much to get back. You know what? It doesn't. I feel like we've discussed doing something similar on the show before and never made a move. So... I mean, that's just being transparent. So we need to get on the good foot, B, because yeah. it does not matter who you are. You can make an impact in some way. Yeah. Um, 
I definitely have my eyes on a few things Mm -hmm. um, as it relates to kids and the school system. So we can chat about it afterwards. Um, But I I have a plan for what I would like to do. Um, Just because I've seen what teachers go through firsthand. Yes. They be struggling. And if they're struggling, the kids are struggling. Um, But we can chat about it. But, you know, shout out to Season Bennett. For taking matters into our own hands and relieving some of that stress from those kids and those parents who may or may not can get the money to, to help them be able to walk. And, you know, not a, them kids can, you know, throw their cap with pride. Boom. Debt yes. free. Debt free. I like it. Who needs to be worried about debt is a damn secret. Nobody. Like, Nobody. What could they possibly owe? Like some books? Right. I mean, all of that could be, like, I feel like if you do have a kid that owes books, you could be like, okay, you got to be here in the summer and clean up, you know, to still let them walk or say before, you know, you got to stay at the school an hour and clean up. Or, you can do something yeah. if they owe, but just to be like, no, you ain't walking because you owe money. No, that's ridiculous. I don't like it. But anyway, I just wanted to use that for my inspiration. What, what was inspiring or funny to you? Um, it's above me now. That's why I didn't say it because I was like, that's gonna go up. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it tickled me, but I mean, it came up because of a negative reason, of course. There was a young man who works at a hotel, and I guess the mother, or yes, somebody's mama was being ugly and called him the N word over the phone. F and N word. Yes. And so she arrived at the hotel and could not check in. Um, I guess he went ahead and escalated it before she got there. Mm-hmm. When I tell you she was like apologizing, now I have a point to make. Because, yes, I did laugh. So that's why I'm saying it was my funny for the week. I got a good tickle out of it. Um, but it's a very serious thing. Yeah, it is. Because she was apologizing, begging, please let me stay crying Caucasian tears had her daughter it's not like I was yelling and screaming right like and she really thought that that meant something her daughter came she was like my whole family is staying here and he's like I'm sorry it's you know it's it's above me now the best western is next door the best western is next door right (laughs) and so the, the thing is she wasn't sorry and everybody keeps saying well why do you say that she was apologizing and she was crying because she couldn't have her way. Yes. But she would not even stop apologizing to hear what he had to say. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to drown him out. And so was the daughter. Mm-hmm. And they did an update and said, like, the whole family had an attitude the entire time. But that woman did not stay there. And the, the young man was able to keep his job. And then, I don't know if this is true or not, but I was watching a, um, uh, one of the YouTuber, YouTube channels that I watch sometime. And they said that he... He is employed at the Best Western as well. <laughs> that makes it even funnier if that's true. She wasn't sorry about what she said. She's just sorry that he heard her. Mm-hmm. He, she's not even sorry that he heard her. What she was sorry is for is that he was able to impact her being able to stay there. When she thought through her own, through the white systemic whatever that she could say that and still come and swipe her card and lay her head down in a bed and, and then her daughter's talking about my grandmother just died i don't care 
I mean, I don't. Like, you cannot, I don't care what happens, you cannot mistreat people, period. You having a death in the family don't make you racist. How you know, right. How do you know his grandma had died? I bet you the grandmammy, the mama, and the daughter, I bet you they all say it. Mm -hmm. I bet you they all say it. So you just, because you you lost a loved one, you just became a racist today and wanted to call me a nigga. Right. It's disrespectful. Best Western is right, ma'am. And I just, just hats off to him for remaining so calm and professional Mm -hmm. and handling his business before you even got there. Right. Because he did that. Yeah. Because he knew you were on the way. Disrespecting me, making me feel unsafe in my place of employment. I just want to know why she was calling him that in the first place. So anyway, what's your good word for the good people this week? Um. Kind of goes back to, you know, what we talked about, like, about Ava, um, somewhat even from the uh, conversation with, with Common that I went to about how he said that, you know, he knew that he wanted to be an MC. He was like, his whole point was just for his friends to say he was dope. That was his whole wow. point. So all of these things that have come after this is just icing on the cake like yeah. this is not what he set out to do just like you know Ava you know going into journalism first and then figuring out that she has a love for film and then picking that up in her 30s um so all of that to say that when it comes to us in our everyday lives regardless of what you feel like your plan is or what your friends are up to or what your parents or your loved ones feel like you should be doing with your life your future has no format. It is totally customizable. You can make it however you want to. You can do whatever you want to to build the future that best suits you. And, you know, I just have been thinking about that lately because, um, I don't know, maybe because the moon is in Gemini and my moon is Gemini. Anyway, mm-hmm. I have just been really thinking about life and what I want out of it. Do I want these things because this is what everybody else has or wants? Or do I want X, Y, Z because I feel like I'm on this little timeline to where, okay, you're supposed to do X, Y, Z. Like, my future has no format except the one that I build and customize. I am in charge of that. And so are you. That's my good word for the people. Just do your thing. What about you? Courtney, I like that one. Your future has no format. It's good. So I'm I'm gonna take my good word from. I, I feel like I've mentioned John Henry on this show before, but you can find John Henry on Instagram at John Henry Style. And the first time I ran into him was at a conference. He was a speaker there talking about venture capital. Very young guy. Very ambitious. Um, very humble, hardworking, and I think he's probably owned like three or four businesses at this point. Very smart. And so he posted something earlier this week that said, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm -hmm. I think it's by, uh, I never know how to pronounce his last name, Robert um, Kiyosaki or Kiyosaki. Okay, Mm -hmm. it is Kiyosaki. Um, But he posted something and it said, remember, Rich Dad was broke in the first half of the book. Um, all he had was rich mindset to start. Mm. And that, like, I mean, he went on in his caption to kind of explain, because I guess 
we look at people sometimes like I look at him and think, oh, like John has had three businesses before and he knows a lot about venture capital and he's probably rich at this point, which I'm not usually in people's pockets, but just making an assumption based off of what I see. And it's not always what you see. And so that really resonated with me, like the whole first half of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He didn't have money like that. He was broke. Broke Um, as a joke. Right, which is a testament to, and I feel like this isn't what you were saying, but it kind of aligns, which we often do. Um, If you think about it in relation to your own life and think about your age, first of all, success has no age, right? Um, Look at Jay-Z. I was just getting ready to say that. You know, he he's hit a billion and still has a lot of life to live, God willing. And the creek don't rise. That's an awesome, awesome life, boy. And so, just thinking about the age that I am now, like, my life, if nothing happens, nothing tragic happens, it's not even halfway over. And therefore, I'm still in the first half of the book. I'm still in the first half of my story. Yep. And the rest is still unwritten. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, you didn't see, you didn't know I'll be knowing all the genres of music. I did. Wow. I, 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 she knows, I you do. know, I too know, <laughs> which is why I laughed. Um, but just wanted to share that with you guys and to, to encourage you to remain vigilant in your dreams, in your vision, in your hustle, and your flow. Not hustle and flow. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. (laughs) So that's my good word for the good people. Passed on by John Henry. John Henry Style on um, Instagram. If you decide to follow him, I know that you'll find some inspiration there on a regular basis. That was good. Yes. And a twirl for you. No braces. Right. (laughs) Hair long, money long. Hair long. Money long. Man, yeah, bro, we don't get along. So you can find us on. Also- <laughs> I had to try to play you a little bit. It didn't really work out. But you can find us on social media. You you try to get me at the beginning of the episode. It's all good on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the Culture Shop Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, um, iTunes, anywhere else you listen to podcasts, Stitcher, all the places, all the things. You can always email us at Black. Culture Shock Podcast at gmail.com. Do you got any last words, B? My last words are, you know, we live in a society where our blackness is under attack by the impetuousness mm-hmm. of hey, hey. other cultures. And so what I just implore you all to do is when you're faced with White adversity. Mm-hmm. Just let them know that the best Western is next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a girl named Tiffany. And I'm Courtney. Until next time, yeah. we out. <laughs>